Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. SmileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry. At Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. What you do on Memorial Day? Well, I have a great suggestion for you. Head on over to Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver or in Parker. They're having their customer appreciation day at both locations. They're going to be grilling out. Go check them out. Looking for a new ride. You can check one out there for sure. Uh, Love working with Rocky Mountain Eurosport. I just had a great experience with them. I love that it was an intimate car buying experience. You felt like you were the only customer in the entire store. And boy, that was refreshing. They did a great job of taking care of us. I can't thank Josh and his staff enough for what they do. If you're looking for something that's a luxury car, maybe a domestic car, maybe something that's foreign, they've got it all. They're so good at what they do. Go check them out. Rocky Mountain Eurosport. You can find them in Denver and in Parker. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Okay, so let's get back to the Avalanche. They're going to be playing Game 6 tomorrow. Uh, after the game, Gabriel Landeskog said, well, it's playoff hockey. It's not supposed to be easy. And then Nathan McKinnon said, well, it should make our team a little harder, a little grittier uh, in these situations. They put this on themselves. They are responsible for it not being easy because they let their foot off the gas. And yes, Um, it should make their team a little grittier. They've been through gritty situations, kind of like losing in the second round three consecutive years. They have been through this. They are battle-tested. They should have been battle-tested. This never should have happened with a veteran team like this in which with about seven minutes to go in the second period, they treated that puck like a hot potato. They kept dumping it in, and you're going to have a tough time scoring from your own blue line. Gabe, Gabe Landeskog did say that. It's playoff hockey. It's not supposed to be easy. But in fairness, and I think we overlook this a little bit sometimes in picking out soundbite quotes, he, he had a preface that led up to that that kind of that, that emphasized, in fact, and I've got it right here, he said it, he was asked about the process of refocusing after a devastating loss. He said it's the same as if you win a game. You enjoy it for three minutes, and then you move on. Here, it's the same thing. You soak for three minutes, and then you move on. It's as simple as that. And then he said, it's playoff hockey. It's not supposed to be easy. Now, that, I realize that's not, that's not earth-shaking distinctions there, but it l- did lead into what he said and explain a little better what he meant. But I, I also want to explain, I, I thought about this last night. I thought about this in the, the last three years even. You're getting such a selective sample of sentiment from players post game. The locker rooms used to be open. You could go from player to player, and if you were a regular beat guy that people recognized, you could have pretty much one-on-one conversations when the hands weren't following you around, sticking the tape recorders over your back to to uh, use the quotes that y- you elicited with your questions. But for the most part, you would get a little better, a little better broad broad broader response from play. Oh, I'll say Eric Johnson, right. over Eric Johnson. 
or you go over to J.T. Comfort. Now, he isn't exactly a quote machine either, but you would get a more broad example. In this case now, two players are designated to be taken to the interview room. We're all interviewing them at the same time. We all have the same material. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I think in, in regular circumstances when the locker rooms are open and you can go from player to player, whether it's a morning skate at practice or after games, you get a little more broad-based response. I don't know. That's not much of a distinction, maybe, but I, I've noticed it. You don't get you don't get the deeper, honest, conversational responses. Listen, those guys, and I'll include you in this, have forgotten more about hockey than I know. I'll be the I, I have no problem saying that out loud. But I've watched enough sports, and I've certainly watched enough hockey for all the teams that I've covered, to know the difference between watching one team play two completely different games. They came out firing. Okay. They 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 were like bees circling the nest. But, but I think we've been through that. I mean, what what happens next? That's the key. You can issue. you continue the pressure. They played not to lose. They saw that they had a three goal lead. Let's just protect it. And let me ask you then, how comfortable do you feel protecting a lead with Darcy Kemper in that? <laughs> not very comfortable. Okay. Right now. Well, so then it was. He's, a bad, he's still a, he's still a pedestrian goaltender. In these situations, and I understand you probably want to add on a couple more goals to really put the foot on the, to really put the foot on the uh, break. And listen, I understand, and I, I say this jokingly now because we've turned this into a running joke. The Blues have nine twenty goal scorers. You know what? I'd rather have Drysaddle and McDavid over those nine guys all day. I'd rather have four thirty-five goal scorers. I would too. I would too. However, Dreisaitl and McDavid are two of the best in the business, and those guys can score in bunches. And if they, th- if for some reason they advance, if they advance and they wind up playing the Oilers or up three to one in their series, they better keep their foot on the gas because if they are trying to play keep away, because I'm talking about like they're going to advance, I-, I believe they will. But if they're going to try and play keep away and dump and chase and you know let's let's chip it in, do another line change, chip it in, do another line change. I watched that game with the perspective of literally, and I keep saying this over and over again, about seven to eight minutes to go in the game. It's as if they turned the fire hose off. Okay. But that's, it was aberration. Look at the regular season when they were putting up seven goals against teams, even nine against the Kings once. And mm-hmm. Josh Manson's talking about how they used to get Chick-fil-A and boy, Colorado fans would have gotten a lot of chicken here. Right. If they, under the similar circumstances. I would have taken chicken so, last night. So, okay, the, how has this happened all the time? They've sat on leads? No, it hasn't. They've put, they've put up seven goals. they put up six goals. they put up nine they goals. they put up three. They were up three, nothing, and they t- blew the That's lead. last night. I right? was saying over the course of the season, this is uncharacteristic and aberrational. Yeah, to jump on it because it's the one time it's happened, I, I don't know... I can't go back game by game and decide. If should they have? Should they have won Game Four by a larger margin, potentially, than four to one, or maybe it would have been four to two, maybe it would have been five to three. Before you knew it, the Blues crept right back in it, and now it's four to three. Did they win the game? Yeah. So they won. I understand. Well, you know what? You can't keep tempting fate, allowing teams to get close, but they, because eventually they you're going have to get not burned. made that a matter of habit over the course of the year. You're t- you're talking like, and I've heard a lot of fans talk like, 
half their wins were of that sort, where they had three not nothing to, and then fell apart. I'm not. I, I really don't care, honestly, about the regular season. Playoff hockey is a different mentality. Yes, it is. And there's, you, there's no question and, about and, it. And but, you need to be able to put your foot on somebody's throat. Okay. And they had that opportunity, and they didn't. And they keep talking about learning their lessons from what happened in second-round playoff exits in the past. You had a chance to close them out. And we all know how difficult it is to close out a team in the final game, specifically a team that won the Stanley Cup title roughly three years ago. You know, Eric, the hardest game to win is the last one. I agree. I agree with you. This shouldn't have been hard. With the okay. Way, with, with the it, way it's they, uncharacteristic is it's aberrational. It doesn't happen every it doesn't happen every other game. And I realize the regular season is different than the playoffs, but it did it it, it just that's not that team. Did the Avs, they, they will get it. They will rebound from this. They will understand. They won't do it again. And it's it I, I don't understand the preoccupation with ha- hammering at it again and again and again and again and again. Because after three consecutive years of getting knocked out, all they talked about was, we're focused this year. But you're talking about they're unfocused because of one game? They're unfocused when they have a chance to kick that other team in the groin and it's over, and they chose not to. You're you're blowing, you're, you're taking one game and making it, Emblematic of the team's entire season, the team's entire personnel. Well, okay. Well, let me playoffs. Let me ask you: You believe that the Blues are going to win tomorrow night? Yes. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, you're right. Who's the pressure on in Game Seven? There's pressure on both teams in Game Seven. I know the road team. You can make the argument that yeah, the pressure's on the home team. So, but so what? Well, well, part of it. Well, when you in any playoff series, NBA. Baseball or hockey, when you have a three to one lead, when you have a three to one lead and now it's suddenly tied to three, so, and, I think you are wondering to yourself, can we close this team out? Well, that's, that's what happened at the 2001 Avalanche. They got to the Kings, came back, won two consecutive one to nothing games, took it to a seventh game. And at home, the Avalanche won easily five to nothing. And that, and that team was loaded with Hall of Famers, and yes. this team is not. You don't know that yet. Well, hold on. Okay, let you me. You don't think Kale McCarr is going to go to the Hall of Fame let, someday? Let me rephrase that. You don't think Nathan McKinnon is going to go to the Hall of Fame someday? Okay, that's two. Who maybe, else? maybe Gabe Blandiscock. No, he won't go. I said maybe. Okay, he's not. Maybe Miko Rantanen, but we don't know that. Yet. Okay, and then now name the Hall of Famers on that Avs team. Who, oh, by the way, already had a ring in their pocket. Ray Bork was Ray Bork was in t- his twilight years at that time. Okay, Peter Forsberg. Mm-hmm. Peter Forsberg, who was not playing in the last two series because he'd lost his spleen. Right. Joe Sackick. Right. Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh. Well, and that's a pretty big, that, that that's a big one. Patrick Waugh. Yes. You, you have a Stanley Cup champion goaltender in goal. He's the best money goaltender in the history and, of hockey. And that's fine. Right. But you have all those pieces. What you have with this Avalanche team is a team that's never gotten to the Western Conference Finals. That's what you have. Okay. A team that's proven nothing except they can win a President's Trophy. That's what they've proven. They didn't this year. They've proven they can win one. They can win one. I think they will wind up winning this series. So what happens is when you're in game seven against the Kings in 2001, you draw back to what happened in 1996 and say, "We've we've done this. We can do this. We know what it takes to cross the finish line. The level of this, panic. This, for, this team does not. The level of panic among fandom and media in 2001 was just off the charts. The the level of panic. 
God, I hate to think what it would have been like with social media. By the way, oh my God, Terry, do I sound like I'm panicking? Because I'm not. I'm just saying they blew a game they should have won. They should have closed. So them like out. that never happens to good teams. Is, um, is that is that a revolutionary concept that really good teams aren't perfect every night and screw up and do something stupid in one game and lose that game? You know what? That's revolutionary concept. You know what I think might be revolutionary, and maybe I'll look it up to see how many teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs have blown a three nothing lead in the third period. And I bet it's a really small any, number. At any time in their four-round progression in the, the cup, in the thir- I'll bet there's been a bunch. In a closeout game. Oh, in a closeout game. In a closeout game. I don't know. I bet it's rarely been. happened. I bet it has. Okay, I'll look it I up. Mean, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. How are you going to figure that out quickly? I, I'm really good with that. You, stuff. Are you a magic Google man? I, well, not really. All right, uh, coming up after the break, CBS Sports had an article titled, The Most Underappreciated Player on Each AFC Team. Who do they pick for the Broncos? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. SmileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry. At Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, if you're going to watch the Avalanche game tomorrow night, Highly recommend you go to Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. They have two-for-one pitchers on Stella Draft Beer. That's a great deal. And listen, get there a little bit early. You know why? They have the best happy hour, not just in Lakewood, but probably in Colorado and probably one of the best in the United States. Two-for-one wine, well, and drafts every day, every day from 3 until 7. So if you want to get your drink on, no doubt. Greenfields is the place to go. Obviously a great place to watch the Avs as well because of that two-for-one special on Stella Pitchers of Beer. When it's intermission, go play some pool. They have a pool hall with 15 tables, and they have live music every Friday and Saturday night with no cover. Greenfields Pool and Sports Bar, it has something for everyone. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmeurosport.com. CBS Sports had an article titled The Most Underappreciated Player on Each AFC Team. Albert Okawebenam was the guy picked for the Broncos. This is what was written about him. The Broncos' depth chart might look unsettled at tight end with former first-round pick Noah Fant going to Seattle in the Russell Wilson trade. But don't overlook Okawebenam, whose catch rate of plus 15.9, overexpected on passes of fewer than 10 air yards, was the highest in the NFL last season. I have no idea what the hell that means, but it sounds impressive. But is Greg Dulcich going to cut into his catches and... I don't targets. think I don't think they use their second pick on the draft on Zolcich for no reason, just to have him set. So I would say that uh, Okwebunum. Okwebunum. Uh-uh. <laughs> don't don't go all CBS sportscaster on me, play by play. Just call him Alberto. Alberto. Okay. 
Albert Okwebenam. I, I think I'll he, go along with most of what they said, but I do think he's probably going to be used less this year. I think so too. I mean, I'm just I'm just reading into what Hackett's saying, and it doesn't sound like Okwebenam. Okwebenam is going to be the main pass catching guy now. If for some reason, if for some reason, uh, they're the kid that they picked out of UCLA, Dulcich, right? If for some reason he doesn't pick up the playbook fast, okay, then Okawebanam well, might be that guy. He can't block you, apparently. Who's that? Dulcich. Oh, don't don't tell him that. He thinks he's a good blocker. I know. He has said it publicly. Yes. The knock on him was his blocking, and he says, no, I'm a terrific blocker. Well, I guess we'll find out. Yes, we will. Because now we'll all be able to watch him. <clears throat> and you know what? I hope he turns out to be terrific. If anything, he's going to be a fan favorite because of his hair and the way he wears the socks up to his knees and the really, really short, short shorts. An old basketball player. That's exactly how he looks. He so, played in the ABA. So if you don't believe it's going to be Okawebenam as the most underappreciated player on the Broncos, pick one guy on offense and one guy on well, defense. Well, what's the definition of underappreciated? I mean, I, a guy I, that you're kind of overlooking. To ha- a guy that you're kind of overlooking. Well, and saying, well, he's just all right. And this guy will perform. Okay, this Bradley Chubb played only seven games last year. It's so not I, fair. I, it's not fair to really. I don't think it's fair to include him because we know he has talent. The guy just can't stay on the field. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you can pick him if you want to. That's not the guy I'd pick on defense. Um, but if that's who you want to go with, go with him. I'll tell you who I'd that, go that, with. That's who I'd go with. I'd go with Darby. He's the second cornerback on this team. He's going to have his hands full. So is Sertan. Now, by the way, Sertan messed the, met the media today, and he said he's already looking at tape of guys that he's going to be facing in the first couple of weeks, and I love that about him, that he's saying he is looking at tape of Seattle's top wide receiver. I love the fact that he is doing that. My, under, my underappreciated guy on offense is not really on offense, so I'm cheating. And who is it? Brandon McManus. I still think we... No, he's on, he's on special teams. We take him for granted. Okay, but he's on special teams. Strictly on special teams. I know. Yeah, but... I'm I, cheating and throwing him in no, as no, my offensive no, guy. No, no, no. You, no, you can't cheat. No, no, no. That, that's like saying, who, who's your favorite coach? And you pick Dom Capers, and he's nothing more than an advisor. Oh, he, pick a pick a guy on offense. Pick an actual... Because I have my Garrett, guy there. Garrett Bowles. Fair. I mean, I'm not going to sit and argue with it. I'll give you my guys, Billy Turner, yeah. because he used to be here. He was okay when he was here. It is my understanding through talking with a couple of people, Billy Turner's football IQ has really gone up. He's he's turned into a very versatile guy. The problem right now is he's injured, and I think he's going to win the right tackle job. I think he is I think he's underappreciated because people look at him as the guy that used to be here. He has gotten better since he went away to Green Bay. I think most of us assume, are assuming he's going to be the right tackle. No, well, maybe. <clears throat> I am. Yeah. I am, but there's, it's a competition between three guys. I mean, why not, why, why not Calvin Anderson? Mm-hmm. I mean, he started plenty. I do think it'll be Billy Turner. So... But I think, again, people looked at at um, Billy Turner as a swing guy when he was here. Mm-hmm. And he was okay. He wasn't great. But he learned a lot in Green Bay. And I think it says a lot about Billy Turner that Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator of the Packers, but more importantly, Justin Outen, the offensive line coach in Green Bay, wanted Billy Turner here. 
Then again, he failed his physical with the Packers, and that made him available. Well, the reason I'm fascinated about Bowles is because he is, has he made it over that hump? Is he going to remain over that hump after a, a quote Pro Bowl year and then a little bit of regression last year? We'll see. Is, which way is he going to go? Is, did he is he starting to slide down the hill, or is he or is he still capable? Was taking that step back up. Well, you hope he's ascending because it's not like he's 35. <laughs> well, you know, those Mormon missions, I think he can. How I mean, old is he? Well, I, well, he? When he was drafted, now that I think about it, wasn't he 27, 23, 27, yeah. something like that? Yeah. So I guess he's getting into his 30s, right? Um, but you can make the. See, for me, I, the reason why I wouldn't say. But he Bulls, didn't have the miles on him either. Right. The reason why I wouldn't say Bowles is he's the best offensive lineman on that offensive line. So I'm not going to pick the best guy. It's like me saying Cortland Sutton's underappreciated, which he's not. Well, that's, again, I would, it's a matter of definition of terms. I'll give you another guy who's underappreciated. is Josie Jewell. Yeah. And he's not overly athletic. I, who was it? I think it was DJ Jones. I was sitting at the press conference, and I think it was DJ Jones said, jo- Josie Jewell's a sideline to sideline guy. And I'm thinking, DJ you're standing in front of Josie Jewell. You can't see him go sideline to sideline. I can, and he's limited. Mm -hmm. However, his football IQ is high, and that's one reason why they like him a lot. And he's a terrific guy, and he is a football player. He reminds me a little bit. He is a poor man's Chris Spielman. Not overly athletic, but high football IQ. When Chris Spielman, he played for Ohio State, played for the Lions for all those years. He is in the Lions ring of fame, and I'm not suggesting he's as good as Chris Spielman. I'm just saying he's a poor man's Chris Spielman. How about Kareem Jackson? Can he qualify as underappreciated? I don't think he'll be the starter. That's pretty underappreciated. I'm not. No, he's not underappreciated. I, I, I think his time has passed a little bit. I think it's going to be Caden Stearns. I think that guy is ready to take the next step. Caden Stearns made plays. That's what I and Kareem Jackson, he is a hitter. I want this guy in a dime package close to the line of scrimmage. So he moves from free safety order to strong safety. No, he is a strong safety. Justin Simmons is the free safety. Caden Stearns would be taking. But he's a free safety now. Who is? Caden Stearns is a free safety now. Well, you'd move him to strong. I mean, either way, I don't want to say they're necessarily interchangeable. Mm -hmm. Kareem Jackson's a hitter. Make no mistake about it. He is a hitter. But Caden Stearns reminds me, and certainly I don't mean this literally, because we know what Shaquille Barrett did with Tampa. When Shaquille Barrett was here, he never put up huge numbers. But what he did do was he was always around the ball and he always made plays. Mm -hmm. Something always seemed to happen positively for the Broncos when he was around the ball. He never put up 10, 20 sacks when he was with the Broncos. I understand that. But for Caden Stearns, when he's around the ball, Stuff just seems to happen positively for him and for the team. I think he, I would think he would be the guy. Everyone's loving on PJ Locke. And I'll be honest, uh, I'm not, I'm not locked on Locke right now. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be, I'll, I'll watch him more in training camp, but people are gushing over him. I would think Caden Stearns would be the guy, but, but maybe it'll be a competition between all three of them. For strong safety. Kareem Jackson's a hitter. Mm-hmm. I just think that I just don't think he has the same speed to like he used to. So who's going to be underappreciated when when it all is said and done as we approach this season? Well, well, I picked my guy in offense and my guy on defense. 
Okay. My guy's Darby. I mean, he's completely overshadowed by Sertan, and rightfully so. Sertan is terrific. Coming up after the break, Gray Lolita passed away. Terrific actor, but best known for two movies that guys love. I have a third one. Field of Dreams, Goodfellas, and what's your other one? Something Wild. Never saw it. Something Wild was written by E. Max Fry, screenwriter, who was my high school was my teammate growing up in Eugene. Well, that's because you know him, and that's why you like it. It's a great movie. I'm sure. I'm sure it's fantastic. He's best. Melanie Griffith. Fine, great. He's best known for Goodfellas and Field of Dreams. Which one was he better in? I have a feeling we are not going to agree on this. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at TFry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale loan to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. Actor Ray Lolita passed away today at the age of 67. He was on location filming in the Dominican Republic. Probably best known for his role in Goodfellas as Henry Hill. And Field of Dreams as Shoeless Joe Jackson. Um... Which role do you think was his best? I have a feeling we're going to disagree on this one. Joe. And we totally disagree. Please sell me on this. And I'll tell you why. I'll just start by he saying didn't, this. He wasn't in the movie a lot. That's one problem. He was problem. a supporting actor. Yes, he at was. At best. But it was such a good movie. And, and, and this is a, I'm a writer. You know that. I've written two novels. No, among no I didn't even know. I didn't even know that. I didn't. You I didn't write know. books like color books. <laughs> but this is the rare case. And I've been skewered for this opinion. Ray Liotta played a central figure in this movie. That that it's Shoeless Joe was the book. The their movie is much better than the book. The book was one of those over over dramatized over you know, over dramatized um, just excessive sappiness. I guess is the way I'd put it. The movie toned that down a little bit, and and it was very good. And you know, with Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones. Oh, yeah. They, so were, they were the stars. It was it. very lyrical. It was a terrific movie. And I include Ray Liotta as being part of that and playing. And he, it wasn't the most challenging role of his career. I will agree. No, he was that. silent most of the time. I mean, his, his, the, you the, didn't the, like the movie at all. It's not that I didn't like it. It's not that I didn't like it. I didn't get it viscerally, I think, the way that you did. So I'm asking you sincerely, please explain to me the love affair that you have with it, and what am I sincerely missing? It was, uh, it, you could father, accuse it. Father, son, I get it. Father, son. So is Star Wars. So is Star Wars. So Star Wars is father, son. You it was like a little excessive in the sappiness department, but it toned down the worst parts of that from the book. Yeah. So I'm looking at it as a writer, too. 
and Ray Liotta was a central character in there. And they, you see them walking out of the court. I have been to the Field of Dreams too, uh, and so that maybe enters into my thinking. Might, but what's the thrill of the movie? What am I not getting about the storyline and the plot that is so riveting? Goodfellas is riveting. Forget about the violence. A, it's a true story. Uh, number two, it brilliantly acted a a cast of brilliant actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, to me, I think if you ask a hundred guys who have seen a lot of guy movies, I would say for the majority, Goodfellas is in their top five. The majority. And and Ray Liotta was the star of the movie. But that doesn't make his work in Field of Dreams trash either. What did you hear me say that? No. But oh, we're, that, well then we're who, trying. You were trying to make turn this into an extreme battle. No, no, no. I, I didn't say he was trash. I said he rarely talked, and he was a supporting actor. Yes. What I'm saying is, Goodfellas is a true. I'll, I'll tell. I'll give you another reason why Goodfellas is one of the greatest movies ever, because Scorsese, who directed it was one of the first, if not the first. You remember the movie, right? Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's Field of Dreams is my favorite movie. Right, Ray no, Leota that's okay. Movie. And that's okay. Goodfellas. His best role. Right. We can debate. We can do, that, yeah. that gets into definition of terms right. also. Right, right. Uh, one th- interesting thing about Goodfellas, and next time you watch it, watch for this. The cinematic brilliance of that movie cannot be overstated. The scene where... Henry Hill, Ray Liotta, and his girlfriend at the time. Remember when they walk into that nightclub? Remember when they walk mm-hmm. into the nightclub? Now, next time you watch it, look for this. And a lot of people who know movies have pointed this out. So this is not an original thought. When they leave the car until they sit down, it's a one-camera shoot, meaning mm-hmm. they follow them. Yes. It's brilliantly directed. Getting back to Leota, he acted in that movie. I didn't say that he wasn't good in, I'm not saying he wasn't good at all in uh, Field of Dreams. I'm saying the depth of his character from being a nice guy to eventually becoming this awful, coke-fueled human mm-hmm. being, I thought that showed real depth of being an actor. You mean you didn't get a little, I realize I'm not talking about Ray Leota anymore, but you didn't get sappy when James Earl Jones gave that soliloquy. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, is that, to you, that's the greatest baseball movie of all time. No, I like Bang the Drum Slowly is my favorite baseball movie. Okay. And to me, it's Bull Durham. And it's, yes, it's a little bubble gum and I get it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what's interesting is, is that we just brought up two movies does Kevin Costner literally? He's in every one of them. Well, yeah. I mean, he is. You're doing a sports movie. Hey, Kevin, what you doing? Well, he wasn't in something wild. Uh, he was or was not? Was not. I mean, he. Jeff Daniels was in something wild. Well, his, he. I'm, Jeff, sneaky, I'm sneaking in plugs. Jeff Daniels movie. was much better in Dumb and Dumber, and that's a movie I didn't even see. But anyway, or I mean, I didn't like. Um, For Kevin Costner, he has been in a football movie. He has been in a couple of baseball movies. He has been in a golf movie. I think when they cast movies, Kevin, are you available? And if not, they got to find somebody else. I th- he, I'm surprised he didn't play Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise was perfect for that. Yeah, it was pretty He good. was absolutely perfect for that role. And that's a great movie. But you know what the funny thing is? It's a sports movie, but it's not a sports no, movie. No, it was about the 
relationship with Renee Zellweger. Greatest sport. Okay. Greatest sports movie of all time. You say bang the drum slowly. Yeah. I'll, but baseball. Right. I know. The greatest sports movie of all time for me is a movie that I have a difficult time getting through. It's a hard movie to watch. It's not Schindler's List hard, but it's a hard movie to get through. And that is Raging Bull, mm-hmm. which is so hard to get through. Because of the violence? Because he is so violent. And you're, you're sitting there just waiting for something else to happen, for him to just go off. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it's uncomfortable. It was made in black and white. And yep. It really draws you in and you feel it's, the ugliness. And- right. And violence and, and in the and in the boxing scenes, it feels so real. I mean, there have been so well, many boxing movies. I mean, you sort of explained it, but I don't know why you why you, instead of being appreciative and admir, admiring the uh, cinematic accomplishment of why Raging Bull. It was a terrific movie. So why can't you make it through? Because the violence makes me feel uncomfortable. It's you, it's over the top. Wasn't there violence in? Uh, Goodfellas? Different. Totally different. You know what it is? Men hitting women make me feel uncomfortable. Makes me feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. to watch. A man hitting the other man, yeah, I can live with that. A man beating the hell out of a woman and berating her like that, that makes me feel very, very uncomfortable. He was angry at everybody. And here, I, I learned this a long time ago, and as a writer, you can appreciate this. And as a guy who has written screenplays, the best characters are the ones you have empathy for, even when they're evil. Even when they're bad people, you empathize with them. Well, then you're talking about, in my case, Lenny Riefenstahl. Is that uh, probably? Well, once it gets made to a movie, I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> but my point is, you, you look at certain movies, and when you feel badly, not badly, you have empathy. You had empathy for Henry Hill. Mm-hmm. Or, or you just, here, so here's another way to. Another way to put it, he was likable. He killed a lot of people, but he was likable. Joe Pesci's character was not likable. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Robert De Niro's character, there was a part of him that was likable. So when you empathize with the villain, then you've got something. The villain is the leading character in one of my books. Right. And, and the screenplay. Right. Well, when Ending it com- screenplay. Well, as you and I have talked about, uh, when that movie comes out, you promised me two tickets yes. for opening night, okay. and you're going to be swarmed by media. I won't be able to get near you to say you were right. <laughs> what do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? Streaming is uh, most likely the future of sports. We've got a couple NFL streaming stories, one with a very popular NFL personality and Amazon, and the other, the NFL itself. We'll get into that, and we'll talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs on the other side as well, right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back, Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry, watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us. 
on the uh, Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Nolan, you pointed out something to me on Twitter that the New York Yankees put out on Twitter. And I looked at it, and we both had a conversation about it. And I believe, and I want to make sure I'm getting this correct, the New York Yankees Twitter feed put out every three hours a young black man is killed by a gun. Is that, is that, am I getting it kind of correct? Okay. Now I just saw on Twitter, in lieu of game coverage and in collaboration with the Tampa Bay Rays, we will be using our channel to offer facts about the impacts of gun violence, the devastating events that have taken place in Texas, Buffalo, and countless other communities across the nation are tragedies that are intolerable. Including Columbine. They are not showing the game tonight. Instead, they are showing this. Well, Columbine was 23 years ago, and we haven't learned a damn thing. Nope. 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 And that's a that conversation that you and I have had, and we both feel very strongly about that. And as much as I would like to offer my opinion on it, I know you would, at the end of the day, people are tuning in to listen to us talk about sports. Because we're going to wind up alienating somebody. And at the end of the day, I think you and I talked about it on the phone the other day. Mm-hmm. It's an argument. No matter which side you're on, you're not you're not going to convince the other side. But if you look at my Twitter feed the last couple of days, you'll see some examples, and particularly involving Columbine, since I helped Columbine principal Frank DeAngelis with his book and, and Columbine's Boy in the Window with yep. his book. Yep. Well, Patrick Ireland. There, there's something I would like to say that I'm going to keep to myself, but I'll share with you when we get off the air. But you know, the other the, the thing is, it was. Uh, disgracefully long for the authorities to get into the school in Texas. And that's, that ties to the protocol that was in existence at the time of Columbine. And it, there was the law, the weight there was, was inexcusable. Right. We changed the protocol and I thought we'd learned that lesson at least, but in Texas, it looked like that lesson didn't sink in. Time now for the final word. The final word. Is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at argonautliquor.com. Just in case you missed it, the NFL is launching its own streaming service, NFL Plus, which will reportedly cost $5 a month and provide access to live games, games that could otherwise be seen on local TV. Um, So they won't have, it won't be like Sunday Ticket, where you have access to every NFL game. It'll just be the games that are available in your local market through other mediums already. Uh, they will also have radio, podcasts, miscellaneous team content. Is this venture an unnecessary addition to the NFL conglomerate? Is it going to make money? Yes. You know who suggested this a long time ago? Mark Cuban. He said eventually the NFL should and will go to this, and here you go. Can you sift through all the alternatives now? Is it getting to the point where it's overwhelming? Meaning what? You have so many choices. That it, remember, it's nothing simple anymore. Right. Well, people want choices because they yes. have an insatiable oh, no, appetite for sports, specifically football. It, it's like the cable idea of a la carte cable. Right. Where, where you 
pick your own networks one by one as if you're in a restaurant right. or cafeteria. I guess my question is maybe I, maybe I don't understand this streaming service. So you can only get local games. Is that right? Well, it's the games that would be available in your local market on the network channels. So, so, so not just like for us, it wouldn't just be the Broncos game. It would be the Broncos games and whatever other games were available in this market. Well, what other games would be available? If, I, I'm, I'm there not. are multiple channels that broadcast the games, so and multiple time slots. So it would be the uh, like the earlier games or the later games, right? The Sunday night game. So you can get all those games, right? Sure, but so you can also get them on local local cable. You can get them on uh, the streaming services if you have the correct packages. So, so it doesn't really offer anything that, you w- that people could- don't already have access to some other way. Right. So, so why would why would you do the streaming if you could get it another way for free? I don't understand it. Well, maybe you're on the go, I suppose, right? Yeah, it is catered towards watching on a phone or a tablet. Right. So as an example, if you have Comcast, which I do, <laughs> I have Comcast on my phone, and I can watch any game on the go when I want to. Can you watch the Avalanche and Nuggets games? No. Oh. I've been able to watch But the, I can do that already through my cable provider. That That's my point. Yeah. But somebody will buy it. Somebody will buy it. I can't imagine it's a huge cost to do it. I don't know. What's next? Just in case you missed it, uh, another one of those options, those many options that you were talking about, Terry, is Amazon. Amazon is getting into the NFL world with Thursday Night Football, Mm -hmm. and they are reportedly interested in creating an alternate broadcast of Thursday Night Football. How original. The uh, Pat McAfee cast. Oh, no. You mean... Would you you watch the McAfee cast? Never. Would Paid Manning be involved? No. Pat, Pat McAfee, no, I have zero interest in Pat McAfee. Why? I don't need a guy yelling at me. Oh, you yell at me. I get passionate. Danny, doesn't he yell at me? No, you just take it that way. He just has a loud voice. I have a loud voice. I have a loud voice. I'm not. He stink- does yell sometimes, but I don't think it's at you. No. It's yeah. towards you. Right. That's a good one. Danny, thank you. And it's not that Danny's <laughs> trying to back me up. I think you said it well. I'm not yelling at you. I just get passionate about it. But, but if you take it that I'm yelling okay. at you, please accept my apology. Okay, thank you. Accept my apology, Terry. That's yeah. yelling at you. I'll accept your apology, Eric. Thank you. Now stop yelling at me, or else I'm going to call Helen and ask you to pipe it down. That was Argonaut Wine and Liquor. Just in case you missed it, Argonaut, always great specials. And here are a few. All 750 milliliter bottles of French wines, 15% off. And don't forget, Argonaut delivers, and deliveries of over 100 bucks are free. They do it in the Denver metro area. If you live downtown, hey, listen, stop by Colfax. You know how great... Uh, Argonaut Wine and Liquor is. I mean, Westward says every single year, last five years, they're the best liquor store in Denver. Now, if you live in the suburbs and you work downtown, stop by Argonaut, see what I'm talking about, see how great they are. You're going to love Argonaut Wine and Liquor. Find them off of Colfax or go to ArgonautLiquor.com. That's going to do it for us. Nolan, Danny, great job. Same with you, Terry. Make it the best possible. Thanks, Eric.